Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. Uh, so glad that you guys could join us, however you choose to visit us, whether that's uh, broadcast, C19 TV, or if you're going to watch the video stream through C19.TV, we appreciate that as well. And if you're listening through WGWG, yeah, we thank you for that also. Uh, really, really happy to have uh, back as a guest, uh, Adam Long. Adam and I have been friends for quite a while, and we have a radio show for quite a while, uh, cinema scene that we did together. And uh, then, then things happened. Adam got a job, and we couldn't make things work out quite right. So I'm glad that you're able to join us back. We did have you for the uh, 400th episode. Uh, and we're glad that we got you back for this, which is just going to be me and you, Adam, just me and you, man. All right. It's always a pleasure to be here. I so enjoy uh, bantering it up with you, as always. We always, uh, even if we disagree or we agree, we always have fun, and it's always uh, a pleasure to be on with you. So I appreciate the opportunity, and I love, uh, love being on. So glad to have you, man. Uh, we are going to be spending some time today talking about a lot, and we never know how much we're going to get to. But uh, Ron Howard is in the mix, and we're going to do a, a take five looking at some Ron Howard films that maybe people have not quite remembered or they've forgotten. We're going to talk about some of those. But first, uh, what got me on this kick was there is a new Ron Howard film out uh, that Netflix uh, is going to be uh, showing. And I tell you, Netflix is the big winner as it relates to, uh, to COVID-19. And it's been the winner for the past few years. It's found a way to get some really big name talents in some big time films. A new Ron Howard film is called Hillbilly Elegy. And this pure drama, uh, Adam, it's, it looks kind of at the Hatfields and McCoys, looks at family dysfunction. Uh, it follows this son who leaves this dysfunctional family behind to try to find greener pastures. And he finds that he's got to return home um, to revisit his past. And in order to revisit his past, is the only way that he can move forward. It's a really interesting film. Um, Ron Howard's first film with Glenn Close and uh, Amy Adams, and both of those talents give award-caliber performances. Uh, it's a really raw and authentic film that is drama. I know you're drawn to dramas, Adam. Uh, I think uh, Amy Adams and Glenn Close both, and actually it's the first time they've acted together, they're solid. Uh, they really found a way to connect and the chemistry between them was was wonderful uh the score does capture you right off the bat and it's probably one of the best scores of the year uh, david fleming and Hans zimmer uh, in this film solid editing for me uh, i love the locations um and this was shot in georgia uh and um i think that if you're if you're drawn to films that have southern roots and it's interesting because it, it's a it's a southern family that ends up settling uh, in rural Ohio, but they've still got these it's a Southern Gothic feel to their relationships based on a, a best-selling true story of the same name that was released in 2016 by J.D. Vance. Uh, it's just a solid film. I think we're going to be hearing more about this. Uh, it's one of those films that I think you're either going to love or you're going to hate. Uh, I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of people in the middle of this one, but I'm giving this one a solid eight. Uh, really, really impressed with Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, uh, I do want to see this one. Uh, time has not permitted me to do so, but it's on the to-do list, and I should be getting to it soon. I, I apologize for not having gotten to it uh, yet. Uh, I know it's getting mixed reviews. Uh, they say Glenn Close is really good, though, uh, in spite of the mixed reviews. Uh, you know, to me, it looks like something I would probably enjoy. 
Um, you know, I find it interesting that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, here in just a bit, that, you know, Ron Howard, for an Oscar-winning director, he's really had t a, a trouble finding financing for films here of late, which is, I think that speaks to what's going on in the movie industry. Um, you know, he's become sort of a director for hire here lately. Uh, with the, He stepped in, of course, and finished up Solo, and he, uh, you know, he still has done a couple, uh, I think one more of the uh, the Dan Brown, uh, you know, with the Tom Hanks, uh, oh, what's that character? Can't even think of it. Uh, the, the trilogy there. Dante's Inferno and... Yeah, that's it. Angels uh, and... Angels and insects, and well, I can't think of the character though. It's uh, he's the, but anyway, uh, it's based on the Dan Brown novels. Everybody knows what we're talking about. But anyway, he, you know, he continues to do those sort of things. But the point I'm trying to make is that I, I really enjoy the smaller, uh, more human dramas that he does because uh, I think he really has a, a, a good uh, angle on that sort of thing. And that's, yeah. Adam, he's also uh, been doing a lot of documentaries lately. Uh, there's one. Yes, he has a documentary about uh, the fires uh, in Paradise, California. And he uh, has a documentary called Rebuilding Paradise, where he goes back mm -hmm. to what happened, what right. happened interviews the, the folks that were involved in it. And I got a chance to do interviews with uh, a couple of those folks recently. And they just talked about um, how Ron was just so personable and caring about mm -hmm. And uh, I think that speaks to what I've always thought about Ron Howard is, uh, you know, he's Opie and Richie Cunningham all rolled into one. And I think that that holds true. Well, let's yep. uh, let's uh, dive into uh, Ron Howard take five uh, and look at some films from the past that maybe people have forgotten were Ron Howard films. I'll let you kick this off, Adam. Well, uh, one of the uh, the first ones that I we and you and I've talked about this off off the air but, uh, you know, Cocoon was a huge hit in 1980, summer of 1985, dominated the summer of 1985. Uh, sadly, is not even available um, on home video at this moment, uh, except for an, an import Blu-ray that you can get. It was released and then it's out of print. I have the import. It's, it's well, if you have a region-free player, I would, you, you can get it and it's, it's well worth it. Uh, but the following year, he did a, a film that didn't quite catch fire like Cocoon did, and that was uh, Gung Ho, where Michael Keaton plays an auto worker who tries to be the broker uh, between his old bosses and the new Japanese company that's taking over. And it's an interesting performance. Uh, it's shot in Panavision, which he didn't do a lot of that. He didn't shoot a lot of his films in widescreen. And this one is very well shot and uh, put together and um, with the screenplay by his frequent collaborators, Lowell Gans and Babalo Mandel. It's a comedy drama, but, uh, you know, I think it's uh, well worth revisiting. Uh, it's not perfect, but it has a lot of good moments in it and uh, kind of just unjustly neglected. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, Gung Ho definitely on my list as well. Uh, you know, Keaton worked with uh, with Ron Howard a few times, uh, including going back to 1982, which was one that's on my list. Night Shift, uh, Michael Keaton, Henry Winkler, and Shelley Long uh, in this comedy, and uh, you know, a night shift at a morgue that ends up uh, becoming an escort service, basically. And uh, you know, Keaton. Uh, when Keaton was on with his comedy, he was amazing. Always loved Keaton's comedy, but also he was one that can transition to drama. And same same is true with Tom Hanks as we've seen in recent years. And it's amazing that Ron Howard's been able to work with both of them uh, during their comedic years. But, uh, but Night Shift from 1982 is on my list. Absolutely, yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. 
and also the missing uh, with Tommy Lee Jones and Kate Blanchett, which is a, a, a action thriller, I guess you would call it. Um, but that is uh, another one that I think is somewhat uh, unjustly neglected as well. I know that's one of his favorites, actually, uh, personally. He says that's one of his greatest uh, disappointments, that it didn't catch fire and that it didn't really do the business that he had hoped that it would. And I think uh, The Missing from, uh, I believe that was 19, uh, 2003 or four. I can't remember that. I, I, I had the information in front of me and it's uh, accidentally deleted the page here, sorry. But uh, anyway, the early 2000s, uh, but uh, there's a, also recently uh, Shout Factory has issued that uh, with a special edition that has an alternate cut that's a little bit longer that's worth seeing. So anyway, uh, The Missing with Tommy Lee Jones, Kate Blanchett uh, is, is another Ron Howard. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's a Western mystery thriller. It's, it's got yes. many different elements of, of filmmaking and, and, and I love that film uh, as well. You're talking about things catching fire. I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention Backdraft, uh, Ron Howard film yes. back in 1991. And I remember that film so vividly because I had just started working at uh, Headline News doing movie reviews. And one of the things we did was we did a whole special focusing on firefighters. And we interviewed firefighters who had seen Backdraft and really got their take on that. Uh, that film from 1991, uh, William Baldwin, Kurt Russell, and De Niro uh, all in that film. And the special effects in that movie, uh, absolutely phenomenal uh, for that time. But 1991, Backdraft on my list. You got another one on your list, man? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Frost Nixon, which I think um, you know at the time it was released, it got a lot of critical love from the critics, rightfully so. But I think it's kind of been lost in the shuffle in the ensuing years, and I think it's really a, a, an excellent portrait of uh, Richard Nixon post uh, post uh, the pres post presidency, shall we say? And this is basically. It's based on the true story. Uh, three years after Richard Nixon left uh, the office of the president, uh, disgraced, and we went through Watergate and all of that. And so now he's signed this agreement with David Frost, the renowned British broadcaster, to do these interviews uh, where he's going to finally come clean. Is the uh, it was the the way they build it. But David Frost realizes that it's not so easy to get Richard Nixon to come clean. And he, he's prepared to, he's agreed to it, but he's got his cunning ways and he's prepared to dance around the questions. And it's, it's interesting the dance that these two people do between them because Frost has his ways of uh, wrangling the information he wants to get out of him. Uh, at first it looks like it's a losing battle and then eventually he starts gaining ground. And it's kind of a, a battle between these two men, Richard Nixon, and David Frost, and it's based on a play. I can't remember the, the playwright uh, that, that did that, but um, Michael Sheen, uh, excellent performance as uh, David Frost. And then you, of course, have Frank Langella turning in a terrific Richard Nixon. So uh, uh, people need to uh, revisit Frost Nixon. If you don't know it, it's, it's a great Ron Howard. I think certainly one of his, probably one of his best films in his entire catalog, I think. Great, great film, great, great film. Uh, I'm gonna go back to another one on, uh, we're talking Ron Howard here for Take Five. I'm going to go back to uh, 1982, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1984. Uh, this is early Tom Hanks, and you're really getting a sense of, of what he's going to become from, from a, a standpoint of a box office draw. It's a true fish out of water film. Splash is the film I'm talking about, also starring 
uh, Daryl Hannah. It's a rom-com, but it's a different kind of uh, rom-com. And uh, was it Eugene Levy that was also in this? There was someone else in this. Yes, he is. Eugene Levy is in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I uh, really encourage you to go back and watch Splash. You, you get uh, just a, a glimpse of, of what Tom Hanks was going to become in the 80s. Uh, especially from from a comic yeah. standpoint. Any others you want to chat about before we uh, take a quick break? I also wanted to mention John Candy is fantastic in Splash. He's terrific. Uh, he's hilarious. Great scenes. Uh, yeah, um, I think Parenthood is worth mentioning. I know it did pretty well. It's not really forgotten per se. It's It spawned two television series. Um, first one in the early 90s and then again several years ago, not too long ago, probably in the last decade. Uh, both of those, well, but the film is is still a very very uh, well done film about uh, the bonds of family and the ties that bind us uh, with uh, our own kin and our, our blood and our, uh, the foibles and all. And anyway, there's some very touching moments and excellent cast. You Rick Moranis, Jason Roberts, uh, Keanu Reeves in a very early performance. Uh, this was before Bill and Ted, I think, or may, it was released the same year, but I can't remember if it came out before or after. But anyway, early Keanu Reeves, uh, Diane Weiss, just fantastic, uh, wonderful drama, uh, Parenthood, um, you know, can't say enough of good things about that one. So. Wonderful film, uh, Parenthood. And the last one I'll mention is Willow. Uh, this is one that if I didn't mention this, Thomas would probably get on me from 1988. You know, fantasy film that's got some George Lucas connections to it. Really, uh, Lord of the Rings kind of approach to fantasy, and it did some really incredible things with special effects that were kind of ahead of the game at the time. Uh, Val Kilmer, Warwick Davis uh, in this, and uh, got to mention Willow uh, from 1988. Uh, you are joining us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We've been talking uh, Ron Howard uh, for this first half of the show. We're going to come back. Uh, Adam's going to give us a review of a documentary called Leap of Faith, uh, William Freakin on The Exorcist. Uh, then I'm also going to give you a, a quick review of a new film starring uh, Bella Thorne and Mickey Rourke. And uh, hopefully we'll get to some other stuff too, uh, some reviews from The Vault right after this quick break and quick intermission right here on Meet Me in the Movies. I'm Noel T. Manning II. That's Adam Long. Stick around. Sunday, Monday, happy days. sky hello blue there's nothing can hold me when i hold you feels so right it can't be wrong boy Matt had it good. He had catnip that was off the hook. But one day, he brings a girl home, and she's allergic to cats. Every sneeze was a nail in my coffin. Now I'm in a shelter. It's decent, but they don't even have Wi-Fi.
There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II with Adam Long, and we are talking movies right here on C19 TV and WGWG.org, however you spend time with us. Thank you so much. Uh, Adam, uh, The Exorcist is, is not a comedy, but it is a film <laughs> that, that there have been a lot of um, humorous things taken from it. Uh, and we've seen parodies of it and, and all sorts of things throughout the decades. But there's a documentary called Leap of Faith uh, that I want you to give some thoughts on and give some feedback on. Yeah. Um... You know, I'm, when it comes to The Exorcist and the subject of The Exorcist, uh, I'm kind of jaded about it. Uh, I've read so many books already, uh, seen so many uh, prior documentaries. There's a great BBC documentary that was done in the late 90s that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. It's on the the uh, the DVD special edition that you or the Blu-ray rather. Uh, and uh, we've, a personal note, uh, we've had um, William Friedkin on my own podcast twice, and he's been very forthcoming about it to us uh and, we, and you know so i didn't really know that there was anything else that i could know about the exorcist uh but this and so i kind of went into it thinking oh, well, the little trepidation well i kind of been there done that not really super excited about seeing it but i'm telling you this is one of the best documentaries i've seen this year uh, which was a big surprise uh it was a very revelatory uh no, you know basically nuts and bolts uh no stone was left unturned uh, I thought Friedkin was very insightful. Um, a lot of criticism has been lobbed at him over the years about his audio commentaries because he basically just describes what's going on on screen, which, you know, he it doesn't really give a lot of insights in his audio commentaries. Uh, I thought this would, would was the perfect, this, this was what his audio commentary should have been um, because you, you really feel, he, he tells you exactly why he was inspired to do certain things. Uh, the creative process, uh, the, the tug of war he had with William Peter Blatty, who wrote the novel. Uh, it was very interesting to me about his uh, choices of what remained from the novel and his process of things that, Blatt, that William Peter Blatty wanted to eliminate versus what he wanted to keep. He basically just went through the novel and marked it up and okay. gave him the pages back and said, we want this. I don't want that. I want this. I, want, I don't want that. You know, because Blatty had turned in a screenplay that he said was absolute garbage. He said it was garbage and it was what he assumed I wanted. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to show you what I want. You just and he basically did. And it was also interesting, his choices of music. Um, he gets into that uh, because most of what's in the movie are, are needle drops, show to speak, but well chosen needle drops. Right. Uh, well, I say they were initially needle drops, but then he had them redone by Jack Nietzsche. Uh, the composer Jack Nietzsche, who went and re-recorded them. So they were initially needle, but they weren't original recordings for the film is what I'm getting at. Uh, <laughs> his, yeah, his original choice was Bernard Herrmann, who did the score for the uh, for Psycho okay. and, and Citizen Kane and The Day the Earth Stood Still, frequent collaborator with uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And 
uh, he gets into his initial meeting with uh, Bernard Herman and how that went disastrously. And he was such a huge fan of Citizen Kane and that um, uh, it was it really broke his heart that things went so badly with him because he held Citizen Kane in such high esteem. It was the film that led him to become a filmmaker. And so uh, there's a lot of insight into that. And then he and then he went on with Lalo Schifrin and tried to get him to turn in a screenplay. I mean, a, a score for the film. Uh, if you don't know Lalo Schifrin, he's the guy who did the original Mission Impossible theme and Dirty Harry and a lot of and Cool Hand Luke. So he's. Um, if you hear that music on the uh, that we used to hear on the six o'clock news, that da 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 da, well, that comes from Cool Hand Luke. That's Lalo Schifrin. So, uh, and it was the scene where they tar the the road in Cool Hand Luke. It comes from. But anyway, uh, he, he that score. He said, "Give me something that's not scary." Uh, he gave him something that was scary, and he said, "I don't want that." And he basically threw it in the garbage. Went through the tapes out in the street and stomped on them, and just you know, he and that's what led to his choice of using uh, the just you know pre-existing music. So anyway, uh, just a little. I, I mean, I'm getting. Uh, basically digressing here probably too much but anyway it's it's a very insightful and interesting movie you'll learn a lot uh and you'll learn about his personal spiritual beliefs um things that inspire him things that just uh, continually move him and you come away with a sense that he's uh he's constantly uh looking to grow as a human being even though he's 85 years old you feel like he's constantly searching and um so uh anyway uh it really is a is a good movie, which was a big surprise. It was a great documentary and a leap of faith. I would highly recommend it. Okay, what is your rating uh, on an A to F scale? I would I would give it an A minus actually, uh, just just short of being absolutely pure perfection. Very cool. A minus rating for the film Leap of Faith, uh, William Friedkin on the X mm -hmm. documentary that you can check out. Uh, if you're looking to uh, go back into the '70s and look for these throw a throwback film that is kind of a revenge action thriller film. I found one for you. Um, this is a movie uh, that stars Abella Thorne and Mickey Rourke. It's a new film, new independent film. And it's called Girl, uh, and uh, the film uh, was written, directed, and also one of the co-stars, Chad Faust, uh, stars in this. Rourke stars as this sheriff, uh, and here's the story. There's a young woman who returns to her hometown to kind of confront a uh, forgotten past and she wants to unearth some secrets from early childhood. Uh, when she arrives on the scene, she finds a mostly boarded up ghost town. It's very strange residence. And she also finds that her father has been murdered and tortured before his death. And so she takes it on herself to try to find out what happened, how it happened and what are the mysteries behind his death. Really loved the locations. Uh, this was shot up in rural uh, Ontario, some solid, uh, editing, great camera choices, the action sequences uh, with Bella Thorne, really solid. Uh, Mickey Rourke did a nice job uh, as a kind of a uh, rural sheriff. 15-day uh, shoot for this film, a low-budget film, 15 days, really blew me away. I got a chance to interview uh, the writer, director, and actor uh, recently, and uh, he, he shared some stuff about this. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for a, a revenge thriller that really does feel like one of those action movies from, from the 70s, uh, it, it might be worth your time. It was worth mine. Um, there was nothing new to the genre, but still I found myself entertained uh, and honestly kind of taken back. A B minus rating uh, for the movie Girl, uh, starring Bella Thorne, Mickey Rourke, and Chad Faust. And it is available uh, in select theaters and also video on demand now. Um, Adam, I know you like a lot of those revenge thrillers, just uh, oh, yeah. and popcorn flicks, and so this might be one you want to check out. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, make a note of it. All Sounds right, good to me.
Let's, uh, let's dive into some reviews from the vault. We've got about four minutes. So uh, I know you want to dive in, probably talk about uh, Black Sunday from 1977. Yeah, I've been going uh, during this pandemic. We're not getting a lot of new product. And so it gives me an opportunity to dig into the vaults of my, my own vaults, my own personal vaults, and, and revisit some things I hadn't seen in a while. And my kids have been, I've been able to spend time with my college-age son, because uh, obviously classes are He's not doing like he's so uh, I'm getting to introduce him to some stuff. And so I'm enjoying that. And one of the films that I recently introduced him to was uh, Black Sunday. If you can see it here. This is uh, uh, a 1977 thriller that was uh, directed by John Frankenheimer. Now, John Frankenheimer um, is most famous for the Manchurian Candidate from 1962, which is considered one of the essential political thrillers. But Black Sunday is a fantastic, I, I was surprised how, I'd seen it several times before, didn't know how it would hold up. Uh, it was released in April of 1977, um, and basically it failed miserably uh, as far as financially uh, at the box office. It is now considered to be an essential uh, par uh, uh, political thriller of the 70s. And, as, and the, it's amazing, this film, how much it predicted correctly what happened, what came to transpire in 2001 because the uh, the villains in the film are played by Martha Keller and she uh, recruits this uh, disenfranchised Vietnam vet played by Bruce Dern and he basically was feels he was a POW and he feels like his country has no respect for him so she re recruits him to basically fly a dirigible over the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday and disperse thousands of darts into the crowd killing basically the uh all of the spectators and the the movie centers on the it's a procedural thriller because uh uh robert shaw's in this film who played captain quinn and jaws this was probably his most notable post jaws role and people don't really realize that this he had one great film in him after that, that that people don't talk about and anyway he is a he is an agent who will stop at nothing to uh, to thwart their plans. And the movie is a procedural thriller. It takes you piece by piece as to what he has to go through to thwart their plans. And uh, the, the film has a nail-biting climax filmed at a real Super Bowl in Miami in wow. 1976. It was filmed in January of 76. They actually got permission. So the actors are there in the middle of the Super Bowl, which makes it really interesting. All of the, the Miami Dolphins, I think, uh, and I want to say the Steelers were playing that year. And so it's it's uh, it's just amazing what they're able to pull off and uh, non CGI stuff. Uh, there's a, a few rear projection screen uh, sequences at the end of the film that that may be dated a little bit, but you can look past that. But wow, good stuff. Holds up, holds up well, right? Yes, it does. Black Sunday, highly recommended. Okay, and what is your rating uh, all these years later after you've had a chance? Oh, I would give it an A, a uh, an A plus. Let's just say an A plus, because boy, is it! It's two hours and twenty three minutes, but it does not feel that long uh, at all. Awesome. Well, uh, it is uh, time to wrap things up. We appreciate Adam spending time with us right here, Adam Long uh, from uh, Focus Newspaper. Where else can people find you, Adam? You can also find me at moviegeeksunited.net. Uh, uh, that's you'll see our latest programming. We uh, I do a Blu-ray show once a month and occasionally interview people who have been important to me uh, throughout my life who have either acted in or directed films that were important to me. So I, I have an archive of conversations that you can find there and I'm constantly adding more. So, uh, <laughs> and we hope to have you back uh, sometime soon. And uh, we always like to wrap things up with a quote of the week. And this does come from uh, Hillbilly Elegy, the new Ron Howard film. 
that I reviewed earlier. Uh, where we come from is who we are, but we choose every day who we become. Love that quote, and uh, I think it I think it speaks truth. Actually, I think it speaks a lot of truth. Adam, yeah, good stuff. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, and for all those who take the time to spend with us right here on Meet Me in the Movies, we appreciate you as well. You can always email us at info at c19.tv uh, if you'd like. We appreciate it. Till next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Adam Long uh, and for uh, the cast and crew right here at Meet Me in the Movies for this week. That is a wrap. Happy